postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Welcome to Birthful Mighty Parent or Parent-to-Be. I'm Adriana Lozada, and as part of our series to help get you a head start on your postpartum logistics, today's episode is going to be one of those shorter episodes that I do from time to time without a guest so that I can focus on a topic that I want to dive deeper into. So for this one, I'm going to be talking about the logistics and cost savings associated with breast or chest feeding your baby and how you can make the best of the benefits and resources available to you so that you can set yourself up for success. Nursing your baby is already hard enough, so you might as well make it as easy as possible on yourself. Just a quick note that I will be using the word lactation to refer to the act of feeding your baby milk from your body, and this can be used interchangeably with terms like breastfeeding, chest feeding, and body feeding, just to name a few. This also includes pumping, so for those of you who occasionally or exclusively pump milk for your baby or child, this episode is also for you. Now, until just over a decade ago, many of the things related to lactation care were not covered by insurance. However, under the Affordable Care Act of 2010, this changed for the better. The Affordable Care Act strongly emphasizes preventative care, and so as part of that preventative care, things like education, support, and tools are included because lactation has noted health benefits for the baby and the lactating parent. In the language of the Affordable Care Act, you are entitled to, quote, comprehensive prenatal and postnatal lactation support and counseling, end quote, and the cost of your lactation-related supplies, so for example, your pump, must be covered, quote, for the duration of breastfeeding, end quote. 
Research shows that if you take a prenatal lactation education course, it can increase your feelings of self-efficacy, meaning how you feel about your ability to do things, especially ones that are challenging. It can also increase your likelihood of exclusively feeding your baby human milk and for a longer duration than if you had not received prenatal education. Many hospitals and birth centers provide lactation education among their prenatal course offerings, but you should also consider learning from an independent lactation consultant. Nevertheless, whether you learn individually or in a group setting, in person or online, the evidence shows that prenatal education can help you meet your infant feeding goals. In terms of how to cover the costs of these classes, some hospitals and clinics offer lactation care services that are billed to your insurance like any other care you receive there. However, you need to make sure that your provider is suitably credentialed. So for example, we love pediatricians as baby care providers, but unless they have completed robust lactation-specific education beyond their medical studies, they are not qualified to offer you advice on lactation management. You save money by getting right-size help from a qualified professional when you need it. Also know that there isn't such a thing as a, quote, lactation nurse as far as credentials go. So if you hear that someone is a lactation nurse, then they are probably a registered nurse that has also earned the International Board Certified Lactation Consultant Credential, so IBCLC, but you really have to ask to be sure. And since we're touching upon the topic of credentials, know that there is a significant difference in training between an IBCLC and a certified lactation counselor. And then things can get even more confusing because some people use consultant and counselor interchangeably, even though the two are very different credentials. For the support to be covered under insurance, though, you most likely will be required to see an IBCLC, so a certified lactation consultant, and not a lactation counselor. And this isn't to say that all IBCLCs are better than CLCs, but IBCLCs have had to receive many more hours of education, submit clinical hours, and complete a board examination, while CLCs do not. Although there are amazing CLCs out there that have extensive experiential knowledge. If there are concerns about your milk supply, how baby transfers milk, or their overall weight gain, or if either of you have medical conditions that require extra care, for instance, polycystic ovary syndrome for you, or a facial difference like cleft palate for baby, you need to escalate the care you receive so that it comes exclusively from an IBCLC or even a doctor specialized in lactation medicine. Understanding scope of practice and how lactation support professionals are tiered is going to help save you money by getting the most targeted help. And know that IBCLCs do work in the hospital setting, but there are plenty of them in private practice as well. Another thing to note is that those with a medical level background like the IBCLC or doctor in lactation medicine, they're generally going to be the most familiar with medical coding and submitting to insurance either for a pre-approved service or retroactively providing you with a super bill that you can submit to insurance for reimbursement, which is important because sometimes your claim might get denied because it was not properly coded, not because the service you received is ineligible for coverage. Another reason that you might have trouble getting coverage at 
first depends on just how many lactation consultants are in your area, let alone in network with your insurance. If you get in touch with your health insurance provider and they say that there are no lactation consultants in your area who are in their networks, do not fret. You might have recourse in something that is called a gap exception, which involves your insurance provider reimbursing a lactation consultant of your choice at in-network rates when the insurance company is unable to provide anyone in-network within a reasonable geographic distance. I know that's a mouthful, but some insurance companies may not display this information up readily, so you will have to prod them. But the bottom line is that they legally have to provide you with a workable solution. Ah, postpartum brain fog. Did you even know that was a thing? But I'm guessing that if you have little ones at home, you're probably feeling it, along with the increased mental load of trying to be a multitasking caregiver, facing the stressful demands of everyday life. And that's without even considering the added lack of sleep. It's definitely a lot, which is why I'm so appreciative of Needed's cognitive support supplement created to help support key aspects of cognitive health like focus and attention, brain health and memory, and even alleviate brain fog and eye fatigue. Now, what makes Needed's cognitive support so unique is that unlike many other cognitive support supplements, Needed's is appropriate to take while breastfeeding. In fact, it was designed with this in mind. But don't just take my word for it. In an in-market study, 92% of people taking Needed's cognitive support saw an improvement in overall cognitive function, with 78% seeing an improvement in mental clarity, aka brain fog. And of these many positive reviews, my favorite is one that says, quote, This is my third postpartum period. This is the best I have felt mentally and physically, despite now having three kiddos to care for, end quote. Basically, taking Needed's cognitive support is an easy way to help reclaim your brain during postpartum. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of needed products. Now, when it comes to health insurance, you also should double check if your plan is one that is grandfathered in, meaning that its benefits and coverage predate the Affordable Care Act and therefore are exempt from the expansion that made lactation care and tools more accessible. Hopefully, this is not your case. If you receive state assistance like Medicaid or Women, Infants, and Children, also known as WIC, you will often have access to lactation benefits. The government has a vested interest in promoting lactation since its proven health benefits for parent and baby lead to a reduction in the cost burden on the healthcare system. Still, though, you will have to verify exactly what benefits you are eligible for with your caseworker because there are slight variations in how this works in practice from state to state. In many states, though, WIC programs will not only be able to supply you with a pump at no cost, 
but they also have free peer counseling services. The eligibility threshold for WIC is higher than for other forms of state assistance. So if you have not qualified for aid in the past, then you might do so now that you're pregnant. Now, even if peer counselors are not able to address every lactation challenge sufficiently, you can, and dare we say you should, absolutely utilize peer-led support groups. Not only are these support groups often free to you, they can help you gain a sense of community in addition to resolving basic lactation issues early on or referring you to more specialized care if you need it. Some common peer-led support group networks include La Leche League, Breastfeeding USA, and Baby Cafe, but you can also find culturally congruent care in some cases. For instance, Chocolate Milk Cafe provides peer-led lactation support for the Black community. If you are not able to find a group local to you, some research has shown that it helps to join a virtual support group on social media. But ideally, treat it like adding tools to your toolkit and mix that virtual support with in-person care to maximize your options whenever possible. Speaking of which, if you are in a pinch or live in a rural area, go virtual. Services like the Lactation Network exist to help you get matched quickly with the lactation consultant who takes your insurance and can assist you via telehealth. If you are lucky enough to benefit from an employer-sponsored account that can be used for healthcare-related expenses, such as a flexible spending account, health-saving account, or health reimbursement account, so FSA, HSA, or HRA, many lactation-related items are eligible medical expenses for which you can use your funds. Some of the things that may be covered include pumping bras, milk collectors or silicone pumps, disposable and reusable nursing pads, milk storage bags, even the reusable silicone ones, cooler bags, nipple bombs, pump parts, and breast pumps. So, so many things. And even if your primary health insurance plan covers a pump, some people prefer to put FSA, HSA, or HRA funds toward a second pump for convenience sake so that you can have one at work and one at home, say. Now, if you plan to express or pump your milk occasionally or exclusively, you're going to need a pump. And if you have health insurance, then your benefits may well cover a good selection of great pumps. There are many different vendor websites like Babylist Health, Aeroflow Breast Pumps, or Yummy Mummy that specialize in working with insurance companies and are ready to make it easy for you to see what pumps may be available to you. They will even request a prescription from your doctor, verify your coverage, and get the pump delivered to your door. Super, super easy. They can even provide you with upgrade options. Of course, you can also contact your health insurance directly, and if you do so, Ask if they include retail outlets like Walmart and Target in their in-network providers, which can be another easy way to get your pump. And when considering a pump, remember to also take into account the sunk costs related to the consumable parts of your pump. We're talking valve membranes, duckbill valves, backflow protectors, flanges, tubing, all the parts. Each is subject to wear and tear, and when your pump parts aren't in prime condition, you risk 
weak suction that can compromise efficient milk removal. So work smarter, not harder. Especially if you're exclusively pumping, remember that estimates for how long it takes for those pump parts to wear out are typically based on part-time, not full-time use. So adjust accordingly. And then if for any reason you happen to need a hospital-grade pump, ask your lactation consultant where you can rent one. Another scenario you might find yourself in, either temporarily or for an extended period of time, is relying on donor milk. If you have a premature baby who requires neonatal intensive care, you may have increased access to bank donor milk because it can help minimize the risk of conditions like neck, which stands for necrotizing enterocolitis, which causes bowel death and is associated with formula use for these extra vulnerable babies. However, your NICU care team may not suggest to you to use donor milk, so if you are unable or unwilling to pump your own milk, you may have to advocate for your baby's access to this bank donor milk. If your baby receives donor milk in the hospital, it will come from a milk bank. Another option is something called community-acquired donor milk, which means you get it from a community member and not the milk bank. Some people also call this informal milk sharing, and using community-acquired donor milk shifts the safety responsibility from the milk bank to you and the relationships that you have cultivated, which are probably not informal at all. In order to donate to a milk bank, the donors must undergo health screening. Their milk will be tested and pasteurized before it can be consumed by infants. This can provide extra reassurance for some families and their care providers, but while there are milk banks dotted across the U.S., they tend to be quite spread out, so you might not have one close nearby, and their supply can be limited. Additionally, donor milk costs roughly 3 to $5 per ounce, which can quickly add up. In contrast, research demonstrates that community-acquired donor milk can already be very low risk, but safest when exchanged for free, although some peer-to-peer -peer milk donation networks allow in-kind compensations like trading storage bags or replacement pump parks for the milk. Also, people can ask their milk donors to pursue whatever health checks that they may feel most comfortable with, and if preferred, there are even research-validated ways of pasteurizing donor milk at home. If you want to know more about milk sharing, I have a full episode that I will link in the show notes. Feeding your baby is something you know you need to do, but it can seem really abstract prior to when your baby is born. However, there are ways that you can set yourself up for success and make sure that you have it covered financially as well. Rather than saving all the work until postpartum, Get your finances in order and make a plan during pregnancy and save yourself a lot of stress. You can connect with us at Birthful Podcast on Instagram. And in fact, if you're not driving, it would be lovely if you would take a screenshot right now and post it to your Instagram stories, sharing what resonated the most for you from this episode. Make sure to tag at Birthful Podcast so we can see it and amplify it. 
You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my birth and postpartum preparation classes and download your free postpartum preparation plan. Also, if you find this podcast to be an invaluable research for you, then the best way to support us is by taking any one of my classes, doing one of my doula workshops, or trying out some of the wonderful products made by our sponsors. This is what allows us to keep doing this work. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plati. I want to give a special extra shout out to her today for the extensive research and work she did for this episode. Thank you so very much for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on GoodPod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and everywhere you listen. And then come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Mighty One, did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.